The following is a hoop ball presentation. So, welcome to a Spotify Green Room edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBallTweets, online hoop-ball.com. Going to have a guest coming on here in a minute, Ethan Becker, uh, to talk NBA draft reactions, kind of figure out where all this craziness is going. We've had two trades. Well, we had a couple of trades, but two significant trades for me. One, Ricky Rubio going to Cleveland. Basically, for Torian Prince and a pick, we'll talk about that. The second one, uh, basically, Lakers giving the entire farm. Uh, we're talking uh, the twenty-second pick in this year, in, in tonight's draft. We're talking Kyle Kuzma. We're talking Contavious Caldwell Pope. We're talking the player option picked up by Montrezl Harrell. All that, that whole package, is going to the Washington Wizards in exchange for one Russell Westbrook. The Brody is there, and. We've also had just had some crazy whack picks, y'all. It's been for everyone who's been doing mock drafts and big boards and everything, they are absolutely shocked by the way this has turned out because it is indeed crazy. Um, but you know, let's let's just get to talking. Um, I'm gonna start with the Lakers only because like that's kind of my thing. Um, the haul that they traded for Russell Westbrook, again, Contavious Caldwell Pope, um, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, and the 22nd overall pick in exchange for Russell Westbrook and two second-round picks, one in 2024 and one in 2028. I mean, all I can think about in that is that this is truly a deal, not just for the star power of it all, like having that win-now player, but also... The Lakers, LeBron and AD, I imagine, being chief among them, believing that Russell Westbrook can overcome his warts, in this case, you know, questionable late-game decision-making and horrific shooting over the last couple of years. Well, really, over his career, he's been a subpar shooter, but over the last couple of years, I think the word horrific is probably best. And that he can overcome that and also play um, over, you know, over, over the time with, LeBron AD and and somehow you know LeBron AD kind of covered for him. He helps them out as uh, a guy who can put a lot more uh, pressure at the rim than Dennis Schroeder did. Uh, this probably also means that Dennis Schroeder is out of here. I just don't see how it doesn't, um, unless Dennis Schroeder is comfortable backing up Russell Westbrook, which I imagine he wouldn't. Because even though Russell Westbrook isn't as good a shooter as Schroeder, he is a better point guard altogether. You're getting the triple-double king. You're getting a guy who started off slow in um, Washington, but really came up and, and picked it up, led the Wizards to a 34-38 and 38 record and a playoff spot after they had missed the playoffs entirely, not only this past season, but the, the, the last couple. So this was um, this was a shock of a trade, especially since the Lakers originally were in talks of acquiring Buddy Hield from the Sacramento Kings, which I was a lot more on par with. Um, I thought that having Buddy Hield bringing that shooting would be important. Um, someone who could actually open the floor, who's made more three-pointers, I might add, than Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis put together. Buddy Hield has. So I definitely was a lot more... Um, intrigued with that package especially since we were basically going to give away the exact same package sacramento someone who yes wasn't a star wasn't didn't come with the name cachet and and yeah the, the you know rare breakout performances that russell westbrook can still bring you but someone who i thought was a lot more solid and dependable in his role which is shooting 
the Lakers haven't provided shooting for LeBron, at least in my opinion, properly since he's been in L.A. 2018-2019, they had the multiple offensive initiators and finishers deal, you know, having Lance Stevenson, having Rajon Rondo, um, you know, um, Michael Beasley, all these other guys, and not really having to significantly stretch the floor. That came back to bite them. The next year, they're more defensive-minded, you know? They they have Avery Bradley. They have KCP still. They have um, Danny Green. They weren't knocking down threes at an amazing clip, but they did just enough, and they played defense, and that was their identity, and they won. And then this past year, you see how they are again. They're playing, and they didn't have enough three-point shooting. They just didn't across the board. They went more offensive-minded. Um, it didn't work out very well for them, and their three-point shooting so, yeah, that's just been the interesting thing. I, I don't know. I think that even now, this isn't you, – you don't have – right now, you have four players basically on your team. The rest are, are either restricted or unrestricted free agents. You have LeBron. You have AD. You have um, Marcus Gasol still. And then, of course, you have Russell Westbrook. And in my mind, um, the question is, okay, and with those with those folks, like, what else? Are you making your – what's your restricted free agency – um, decision going to be on Taylor Horton Tucker because that is interesting, right? What about Alex Caruso? Another guy. Either of those guys aren't going to directly impact your shooting in a major way. They've been on the roster the last couple of years, so it's not like you're going to have a tremendous input from that anyways. Um, when you look at um, Dennis Schroeder, who obviously is not coming back, what's going on there? What kind of shooting can you bring in free agency? You know, I'm going to have more of, of, a, of a podcast on this later. There's so much to talk about that this just feels like something I have to dive into from the Lakers fan point of view. Um, you know what you're getting Russell Westbrook in terms of rebounding for a, a, a guard. That's great. Um, you know you're getting the tenacity of the Lakers kind of lacked, the sense of urgency, the sense of rah, you know, that you got um, get from Russell night in and night out that you didn't really see a lot from Lakers last year. They were a tired team that, for the most part, after their strong start, played like a tired team. Uh, you know you're getting someone who will constantly attack the rim. Um, you know, you're getting someone's going to jack up a lot of shots, maybe not be the most efficient. Actually, let me put my little rust bias aside. He's not going to be the most efficient. Um, I mean, you take all this and, and, and what you, what you have is a interesting, complicated player for the Lakers right now. I would have loved Russell Westbrook in LA in 2017, 2015, uh, the Russell Westbrook getting now, the soon to be 33 year old that you still have on contract for a couple more years that has had multiple knee surgeries, cannot really shoot very well. Uh, as a player, as a fan, I'm still a big a big supporter of his. As a fan of the Lakers, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be, trust me. But, like, I don't like the fit as of now. I do think people are going, oh, well, the Lakers better get shooting. I think that they know this. I think that's going to be a priority of theirs moving forward. Um, I think that they realize that, um, you know, having shooting on the floor is going to be paramount to any success they have this year, especially when you have, again, Russell Westbrook, alongside A.D. LeBron and Marcus Gasol. Only guys who are above average at their position shooting would probably be LeBron and Gasol. So you definitely need that. Um, and I'm sure Rob Palenka in the front office is going to work on that. But aside from that, I, I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued by how it looks. Oh, and here is our guest, Mr. Ethan Becker. Ethan, uh, you literally find him on Twitter, Ethan Becker. He is all over the place. He's a writer, if I remember, Hoops Habit, um, a podcaster, specifically for the Minnesota Timberwolves, but he has his hand in so many different things that I, I almost need to let you, I let him tell you guys. Um, we'll wait for him to get on. But while he's still trying to come on here, oh, Ethan, are you there, sir? You know? Oh, yes, I can. Are you good? All right, I'm good. I tried the headphones. Awesome. Too, it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. 
the headphones aren't trying to work with you, bro. I get that. I get that. Well, welcome. Uh, thank you for, for teaming up. You actually started this whole team up tonight, so I really got to give credit to you here. Um, but I thank you for the team up here as we try to react to some of the stuff that happened tonight. I, I'm, I'm starting with the Lakers just from the Lakers fans' perspective because I am – I, I, I'm, a, you know, you know me well. I'm a Lakers fan, yes. I'm a Russell Westbrook oh, yeah. fan, yes. But having the intersection of both of them is kind of conflicting with my fandom right now in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, because you know, I'll just I, as I relay the pick already. You know, you're trading out that entire package for Westbrook, the 22nd overall pick, um, Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Montrezl Harrell for Russ and two second rounders, one in 2024 and one in 2028. And I said, I like that Russell Westbrook is going to bring the drive. He's going to bring the passion. Um, he's going to be a rebounding guard. As we know, he's going to put pressure on the rim. We know that as well. We also know his multiple knee surgeries. We also know his lackadaisical defense, his horrific outside shooting over the last couple of seasons. And the fact that we basically just gutted our roster to acquire him. And I'm torn on this because I think the Lakers will make moves to adjust. I think if we, see what the Lakers' issues are that the front office surely does as well. Um, by that same token, though, I am uh, – I, what, what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I was. I remember I saw that pick, and I thought, Corbin's either going to be really excited by this or really bummed that I don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> and you nailed it, pretty much. I, I think I started off bummed. Yeah. <laughs> It feels like uh, it. It feels like at least for you, it feels like mixing like chocolate and Chinese food. Like they're two great tastes. They they taste great separately, but if you try to mix them, <laughs> you you know what, bro? That is the best analogy I've heard. That is it exactly, exactly. I love them, huh? I I threw this one out on Twitter uh, earlier tonight when I was talking about it. That I really think that, that I want to pull up a tweet here too, just to make sure. Oh yeah. So I think. I, I tweeted this once it became official, right? Because there was, like, the rumors, and then during the draft, it was announced that, like, this is official. And I I just kind of pointed out, because the thought occurred to me, that I think Westbrook joining L.A. is like Marvel when they put together the Avengers. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like, I think that first iteration with the Avengers, that first movie with Russ and, like, it's going to be that first season, is going to be really clunky. And they're going to kind of struggle to find exactly what they are. That second iteration, uh, second season for the Lakers. I'm counting. Uh, I count Civil War as an Avengers movie. That's like the second. <laughs> you know what? I, I will agree with you on that. I, I'm with you. Yes. Yeah, and so that that second iteration, the second season for the Lakers, they're gonna kill it. I think those guys are gonna be really strong. Everything after that is gonna suck. Everything. Yeah. After, it's, it's just gonna be an immediate downward spiral. I think they got two years. And then I think something's going to change because Russ, Russ is a God, Russ is almost one of those guys who you love to watch so long as he's not on your team. A hundred. You know what? I think I'm finally realizing that. Yes, like he's been. I've been fans of teams he's been on over the years. You know, OKC, um, Houston, even Washington. I was fans of those teams because Russ was on those teams, but he wasn't on my team, and now he is. Yeah, now he's on your team. Uh, cool, cool. 
Sorry, I, was, I, I saw the wolves were trending here, and I needed to make sure something horrible had. No, no, you're you're the wolves expert up in here. I I fully expect that. Uh, like I like I said, y'all. Um, Ethan Becker. Make sure he, you can find him on Twitter at real Ethan Becker. Uh, this dude writes a lot, and when he's not writing, he's podcasting. Not podcasting, he's on Twitter talking about his writing and podcasting. So definitely make sure to check him out. Uh, he writes for Hoops Habit, um, host of T Wolves Weekly, and then I think you write for Shooting uh, the podcast Shooting. Uh, not right, but you host the Shooting Progress podcast, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of on hiatus right now. That's our, uh, that's me and a buddy from college. That's our wrestling podcast. But yeah, we, uh, we're, it's kind of on hiatus as we get set up. But yeah, that's definitely up. And while we're, while we're just plugging everything, I will also plug, uh, the thing that I've been like just throwing in everywhere here too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, something I got coming up here. NBA Forgotten Histories is going to be a six part. Uh, podcast documentary series about some of the forgotten, t- some forgotten moments in NBA history. We're covering oh, stuff wow. like, uh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, we're covering stuff like the 1964 All Star Strike, uh, the creation of the Bad Boy Pistons. We're talking about the Wilt Chamberlain and, uh, or excuse me, uh, oh, yeah, it's late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's late. No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. You know, the Wilt versus Russell, that rivalry we're talking about. Okay. Rivalry. And the first, the very first episode, it's going to be a shorter episode, uh, but it's one of my, it's when, you know, a buddy of mine and I kind of came up with this idea. And as we were talking, I was like, we got, I got to talk about this. And he's like, well, we can do it for the first one because it's not really important. <laughs> mm-hmm. is, uh, the time Larry Bird played an entire game left-handed. Oh wow! You were going deep take on these. Oh, I I love that story, and I am in full uh full research mode for that. And my my computer is kind of a mess right now with (laughs) with all the stuff you're probably doing on it, right? So oh, for sure, man. But so that is going to be coming out October 16th. That's the day that the uh, the NBA season kicks off. The first. Uh, and the first day of the NBA season is going to be when we launch our first podcast and we'll be releasing about one podcast about every two months. We'll release okay. various, various points in uh, the NBA season. Right. So these are going to be like more deep dive podcasts, yeah, like deep dive yeah, series. These are going to be heavily produced and heavily like edited and researched. Yeah, for sure. No, this isn't going to be like off the cuff stuff. This is going to be, this is going to be real, real journalistic work here. So. Wow. Okay. I like this, man. It's back to your roots, I guess, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. No, I, I, and I love, I love this idea. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. So I've been plugging that. Anybody who listens to T Wolves Weekly knows for the last couple of weeks, it's like the first thing I mentioned. Uh, but. Anyways, <laughs> well, that is dope. Me. Yeah, no, no. Thank you for sharing that. And speaking of T-Wolves Weekly, let's kind of we're gonna make our way down the draft. Already talked the Lakers trade. Now I'm gonna talk um, the Timberwolves trade because the Cavs uh, acquired Ricky Rubio and a 2022nd second round pick um, in exchange. The Timberwolves acquired Torian Prince. You are the Wolves expert, so I'm going to give it to you first with your reaction, just raw to the move, and then with why you think both sides made this trade. Well, I can, oh man, 
I'll tell you my reaction right away, which is my reaction was I saw the name and I went, Torian Prince is still in the NBA? And then I remembered <laughs> I was Tyshawn Prince. Uh, oh, wow. Who played with, uh, actually ended his career with the Timberwolves. That's why I was so confused. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. 2015 or so. Yeah. 2016. Yep. About 2015. Played really, some really great years on the Detroit Pistons. So that's where, that's kind of where he got his name. But no, my, my reaction to this once I was able to settle down is I, I, I don't want to overreact too much. But this, I think this has the potential to be the first, and see, I don't want to be too harsh, but the first really bad move by this front office right now, because Ricky Rubio, he didn't have a great season last season. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. I'll be the first to admit, too, that, like, a lot of my love for Rubio is nostalgia. Fair enough. You know, as we were talking about, yeah, as we were talking about, like, the, he, he and Love were kind of the two guys who I watched getting in when I was getting into the NBA. But I think Rubio brought a lot to the team in terms of he was kind of the vet that Ant looked up to, and now they're going to have to replace that to somebody. And there's not a huge crop of options. And do you expect this to happen from, like, in-house? Do you look at, like, Jalen Noel? I think it's got to be somebody who's been in the league longer. You okay. Know, Rubio, Rubio had the advantage of he's been in the league since 2009, right? He's been in the league for, what's it been now, 12 years-ish? Uh, mm-hmm. And so I don't think you can look in-house because nobody at that position who the Timberwolves have has been in the league more than, like, three or four years, right? You know, uh, the, for Minnesota, the, yeah, I, what uh, it might be the longest tenure now is Cat. Well, the longest tenure in the NBA right now. Oh no, I was looking at the Wolves. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Davis. Tenure. No, yeah, I was looking at just like t- just tenure for the Wolves. Yeah. Oh yeah, tenured for the Wolves right now. It's Cat and Okogie. Are those two are tied for the longest tenured with the Wolves? Yeah, the longest tenured in the NBA technically is Ed Davis, although he is a free agent this summer, so not like technically with the Wolves, but he's kind of in that weird. I believe he's a restricted free agent, but I have to look that up. So, oh wow! Uh, but no, my reaction to this is uh huh. I mean, it's another thing. It's it's another instance of, and I can tell you exactly why the Timberwolves did it too, is Gerson Rosas and Chris Finch like stretch force. That's one of the okay. reasons that it was done. They have a type. Because, yeah, they have a type. Ty- Tyson Prince is a really great shooter. Mm-hmm. I, I, pointed this out, I pointed this out on Twitter that Tyson Prince is a great shooter, right? Uh, mm-hmm. oh, I think you are getting uh, the, the, the Tyshawn I'm, Prince I'm, thing nailed. <laughs> I know, um, I know. We meant Torian. <laughs> Torian Prince. I do mean Torian Prince. I don't mean to insult the guy. Like, I don't mean no. to. Be, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't mean to do that. But Torian Prince, excuse me. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to fix that. But, like, uh, just last season, he, he shot, he had a split of 40-40-80, right? Wow. Phenomenal, right? Especially for... And especially considering he's only been in the league since 2016, right? And so there's definitely some room to grow. My concern here is defense. 
as it always is with the Timberwolves, right? Mm-hmm. It's defense. Prince is another guy who's not a solid defender, right? He, he He's kind of an average – oh, excuse me. He's kind of an average mm-hmm. defender at best. And so that's my big concern. I think the reason Cleveland does it, and, of course, I'm not, you know, the expert on the Cavs, but I think one of the reasons that Cleveland did this was because they wanted what the Timberwolves had for Ant. They wanted it for Garland and, Sex- uh, and Sexton, right? Mm, okay. That makes sense. I get you. Yeah, they wanted that veteran presence. They wanted somebody who's really good at moving the ball. They wanted somebody. I think Ricky Rubio is really underrated on defense as well. I think mm-hmm. the defense is really, uh, really solid. And so at the end of the day, I'm looking at what we got, and I'm looking at uh, Prince. I'm looking at the 2022 second-round draft pick, which makes uh, three draft picks in the second round for next year's draft with Tim Wolfs and some cash considerations. And I, we have a chance, right? Like, shockingly, over the last couple of years, the Timberwolves have actually done really well in the draft, which is not mm. typically what the story has been with the Timberwolves, right? This is the true, that, true. You know, this is a team that traded away Ray Allen on draft night and then passed up on Steph Curry twice. <laughs> that is true. Yep, Johnny Flynn, the great one. Yeah, oh, you know, <laughs> if I if I may take us down the Johnny Flip road for a little bit. All right, I, let's hear it. I, I was so sure about him when I was young, right? Because he came in the league, I was like 10 years old, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was sure. I was like, this dude is going to be an all-star. I was like, this is the oh, dude man. who's going to lead us to the finals. We're going to go all the way. And, you know, it was just injuries, man. Like, I think he still had the talent, but it was just injuries. Yeah. One of those things. I, I still – uh-huh. That hip. Yeah. That hip did it. Yeah, I still want to draft him as early as that happened, but I agree with you completely. No, no and, like, back-to-back guards. Why do you do back-to-back guards? I mean <laughs> – David Kahn, my friend, David Kahn. But oh. – yeah, no, I'm with you. I think it's interesting to trade. I see, I, I, you know, for Cleveland, I don't know if um, Rubio is long for them, especially since their backcourt is still kind of packed. And this is even if you are um, presuming that. Huh? They're a backcourt heavy team right now. Exactly. Yeah. And that's even if you presume that the Cavs are going to trade um, Colin Sexton. It, it's still a clunky fit. So he may not be. Long for there. There's still a few teams I think he could find his way on. Rubio's a, you know, a unique point guard in that his shooting isn't super great, but he does bring a lot more to the table in terms of defense, rebounding, things of that nature. So at least you have that. Um, for Minnesota, like you said, stretch four. We knew that the Minnesota Timberwolves were on the hunt for a four. Uh, we knew that they were more than likely going to have to do that during trades since, you know, they're kind of strapped financially, uh, both for through free agency and of course with the draft. So they went at it the way that they had available to them. And I guess Torian Prince was a way to get rid of a contract that they didn't want to keep on the books anymore, even though, you know, Rubio's leadership was really big for Ant in particular, but also the Timberwolves in general. 
Um, and I guess for them, they think it's going to work. And, you know, defensively, he's kind of overrated, but I think if he could just shoot the three and, and provide that spacing, he gives another element offensively to the Timberwolves, right? Oh, for sure. And I, I have uh, coined the phrase I, – I don't know if I've coined it, but I've started using the phrase mm-hmm. uh, pass to really describe the Timberwolves' offensive style right now, right? They, they like to play a four-out system – drive somebody in, and then kick out once the defense collapses. And I think, yeah, Prince is definitely an asset in that sort of system. But the other question then is, who do you trust him to shoot over, right? What what target sure. is he going to be? Is he going to be above Ant? Is he going to be above Beasley? Is he going to be above Towns, right? I don't think he's going to be above any of those three in the Timberwolves system. So you're looking at him being a fourth option? You know, yeah, it's not very likely. Whichever you look, whichever way you look at it, you're right. I think. I well, think that's. Uh-huh. Likely, I think the more likely option is we see him come off the bench. I think that's we see fair. him come off that... next year. I think we see Vanderbilt start uh, or McDaniel's one of the two. I, th- I think we see those a combination of those two start because their defense kind of helps shore up some of the spaces that Cat leaves open at times. Mm, yeah, I think we move we move on from there. Make up for what he doesn't bring to the table. Make up for his deficiencies there. Yeah, that's fair. That's you, fair. I th- I think you pair him in the second the uh, the backup lineup. You pair him with a Kogi, who's another great kind of perimeter defender guy, but isn't that great shooter, and he isn't that uh, spot up shooter that you need. And so I think if you if you put Prince in the second rotation. I think that's probably the best place for him on the team. Definitely, definitely. I'm, 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 I'm glad that. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I'm glad that you at least had that optionality there. You know. Mm. Um, yeah. but it's gonna be intriguing. I, I, like I said, I don't think this is the last move for Cleveland. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the last move for Minnesota either. But. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Yeah. It's, oh. It's, it's different. Minnesota stayed quiet during the draft thus far, which I think was a little surprising. But while we're on the topic of still with some recently acquired players, mm-hmm. uh, can I throw out a, a name, a team to you, who I think is going to move here for I think the Wizards. Let's, yeah. I don't think the Wizards are done. Okay. I talked about this on Twitter. I don't think KCP and Montrezl Harrell are long for the Washington. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think, I think with the report we got earlier today that Beal is dedicated to Washington, I think they're going to make a Hail Mary move here uh, during the offseason to – get him kind of the help he needs and get him the uh, get, get him the star player that he wants. It's, mm-hmm. it's just something, I, you know, it's just something my gut has been telling me because I don't think you, you trade away your future for Russell Westbrook for a one year lease that doesn't work out. Right. I think makes I think sense. You, you keep trying to build. I don't think you tear it down and start over again. So I just want to put that out there because I've been putting it out a little bit. But, yeah, I don't think Montrezl Harrell. I don't think Montrezl Harrell and I don't think KCP are going to suit up for the Wizards at all. 
No, you know, they're going to be gone. I wouldn't be surprised either way. I think that if they, I, I, I tend to lean toward the fact that they go get flipped for more assets. Um, but I think that honestly goes as Bradley Beal goes. If you decide that, you know, if Bradley Beal decides he's going to stay, the Wizards decide, okay, we're trying to make a competitive roster around him. If you don't feel that the piece you can get back for those guys will help that team, then you might be better off with a guy like those two. You know, that, you know, at least in their roles can come in, whether it's bench scoring or three and D skills and, and work well. Um, especially when it comes to KCP, who already has a strong friendship, uh, with Bradley Beal, you know? So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they do make that move. I think it makes more sense. Um, if they're coming to a full rebuild to flip those guys and try to get, you know, younger pieces and more draft picks and, and maybe second draft opportunities. But if they do decide, okay, you know, we're Bradley's going to stay for the long haul. He wants to be here. Um, we're going to try to keep competitive pieces around him. I don't, I don't think you can do much. I mean, you can do a lot worse than these two guys. Yeah. Another name quick. Not, to yeah. Just watch out for next season. Watch out for next season. I'm not you like sure. That. Keeps, I'm not sure he keeps dropping off. I think he is a sufferer from what the Minnesota Timberwolves fans affectionately call Kevin Love syndrome, which is, uh, Good player on a bad team, but a bad player on a good team. <laughs> ah, got you, got you. So he's going to thrive when it doesn't matter. I, I think he's going – well, really what – and I outlined this in an article I wrote recently for Hoops Habit that uh, Kuzma's struggles came from adjusting to a reduced role when AD came on, right? And that's the same problem that uh, Love had when he went to Cleveland, and now he had to kind of share the spotlight with LeBron James. Right? And so I think now that he's able to kind of have a little more of the spotlight on him, I think Kuzma's going to – I don't think he'll return back to his first two seasons, but I think he's going to – I would not be surprised to see a uptick in uh, performance and production from him. Okay. No, I expect that true. If there's going to be a breakout guy, Kyle Kuzma's going to have the minutes, the opportunity, and more of a feature role to do so, you would imagine. Um, so I'm right there with you. It's going to be interesting to see how that all works out for certain. All right, so I, I got to get – I mean, we've had so much craziness oh, yeah. get to the draft. We're 30 minutes in on just the trades alone. Let, let's not bury the lead any further. Let's talk about this draft where things went crazy quickly. Um, On my show, I had a few people on. We had – um. Rafael Barlow, who, by the way, is kicking it on the um, Locked On NBA Draft live show. So I had him on for a podcast episode. I had Stone Hansen of the Upside Swings podcast on for an episode. And I also had um just – um and this was actually one of my just most recent ones, uh, Clayton Conover um, of Hoop Prospects on to talk draft. So I've had different people on giving their own impressions uh, of what they've seen, what they expect, who we're looking at. And we had kind of gotten a good, you know, understanding of the draft. And then after the first three picks, things went crazy. I'm going to run through the first 10 and then throw it to you, Ethan, for reaction. But you had Kate Cunningham expected to Detroit. It's probably one of the few that actually went as planned. Jalen Green to Houston, Evan Mobley to Cleveland. And then it, it just went a little weird. Scotty Barnes was drafted fourth with the Raptors. The Magic took Jane Suggs, which was smart. The Thunder went and took Josh Giddy. Uh, Warriors, Jonathan Kaminga, the Magic, Franz Wagner, and then the Kings with Davion Mitchell. And then lastly, um, the Pelicans took Zyra Williams, although he reportedly traded to the Grizzlies. And that was the first 10 picks. I, I gotta, I'm gonna share my first surprise, which was Scotty Barnes. Um, 
I like Scotty Barnes. I'm not super high on him as someone who can become this like superstar in the NBA. It's definitely possible, but I think he still needs to work a lot on his offensive game. And I think in the NBA, they make it very quickly apparent that, you know, if you are that much of an offensive liability, then even your other gifts can be mitigated somewhat. Uh, and I see that being the case. Whereas Jalen Suggs just made more, so much more sense to me with the Raptors as like not only an heir apparent to Kyle Lowry, but someone who could work well with a Pascal Siakam, a Fred Van Vliet, a OG Anobi, and just be that solid win now prospect for a team that I thought wanted to contend. Scotty Barnes can, but I feel like his match with, uh, Pascal Siakam and OG and Anobi is kind of clunky. So that was my first question, Mark. The second was Josh Giddy. Like him, solid dude, good size, great passing ability, but not a great shooter, not really great aside from the passing. And you give him to a Thunder team where is he going to pair up in the backcourt with Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Is, is he going to back him up? It's just kind of a weird fit, especially when you could have other guys who had a lot more upside um, to be potentially like the best player, you know, on a team like that. Oh, Amari said, thank you, Amari. He said they're going to trade Siakam. I, and I, I heard that that was a thing, but now, yeah, I, Oh, wow. Well, I guess that's that's certainly a choice, right? That's certainly a direction. Um, interesting. But um, I have to throw to you, Ethan. Uh, what what was your biggest like shock so far in a draft that I would say has had a few of them? Well, let me say I think the the biggest shock in this draft so far, and in this uh, we're talking about the top ten here. I don't think a single name in this is more shocking than the fact that there is one name that's not in it, and for me, that's Moses Moody. Moses Moody going 14 to mm-hmm. was a shock. I had him uh, penciled in during this draft. I had him all penciled in for the Spurs, and I, I was chomping at the bit, man, because I was like, oh, Pop loves a 3 and D guy. I was like, this is the, the space where he needs to be to thrive. And I think the, the biggest shock for me in terms of picks – was, was the fact that at 12, this first pick, uh, Joshua Primo, but inside that top 10, we were talking about, there are a couple of guys where I was like, really? Him? Uh, Giddy was definitely one, but I, I attribute at least part of that to me just not knowing these international players all that much. I understand. And, uh, uh-huh. uh, the other one, the other one was at nine for the Kings picking, uh, Davian Mitchell. Yeah, I was about to get to that. That was another one I was shocked by. Um, as far as Moses Moody, I had him um going number eight to Orlando, and I thought that they could have walked away with both Jalen Suggs and Moses Moody, and I would have been just absolutely pleased with that in terms of yeah, you get a, a player in Moody who has a lot of length, which you know the Orlando front office they love that you know has some shooting ability. You get a guy in Jalen in Jalen Suggs who didn't even expect to be there, so you have that as well. I would, I thought that was great. Franz Wagner to me is like a jack of all trades, master of none on a team that already has a few of those type of players. Um, and not even a, a team that has a, a team full of jack of all trades, but it's a team that's kind of like decent at certain things. Um, Amari yeah, uh, commented yeah. on, yeah, Davion Mitchell, not, they shouldn't have drafted him. He's not going to get the minutes he deserves. I agree. I just, I don't understand the fit there unless you're moving one of De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton. And of course, that would make no sense. But what? Yeah. Mitchell is like six foot, six foot one, six foot two, one of those. Like he's a small guard on a team that you already have two guards. Uh, ra- rarely are you going to get them all on the floor together like the Thunder did a couple of years ago with like Chris Paul, Shea, and Dennis Schroeder. Like, I don't see the Kings replicating that. What was your thought process, Ethan, on how that is going to work out? Because I honestly thought that they might make it into like a trade of some sort. But as of now, that's still not a thing. Apparently, they are going to stay with Davion Mitchell, and that is... Uh... 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, to clarify, Davian Mitchell is six one and two hundred two. Six one. So. There we go. Still, jeez. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still a really small guy. Uh, an interesting fact that I dug up while I was researching the last article I was writing: the Minnesota Timberwolves have made not to bring it back to the Timberwolves. Again, bring it. Uh, they they've made just two. Uh, NBA playoffs in last uh, 17 years, right? Mm-hmm. There's only one other. There's only one other team that has done exactly that. Nobody has done worse. The other team is the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> who wow. Made, who have gone uh, right now? It's an active record. I believe it's about 16 years without a playoff appearance. And so, as far as what they're doing here, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't I, know. I'm confused. I, yeah. I don't think they know. I'm very confused. He's got and this isn't to uh to to thrash Mitchell, right? I'm not saying that like and nobody here is saying that he's a bomb and he's he's a scrub and he's not gonna do it, right? That that's no. not what we're saying. What we're saying is that there were so many other options who fit this team better. And it's it's just very confused. You seem loaded at the guard right now, which is not a position that a team like the Kings want to be in, especially with somebody uh, with somebody so small like Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it's very it's very odd. It's just a very odd situation. Yeah. Of course, there was the there was the talks, and I thought this made sense. The only The only reason this makes sense to me uh, the only way da- bringing Davian Mitchell into your Sacramento Kings team makes sense to me is if you mm-hmm. know Buddy Hield is gone. Yeah, and, and Amari did just bring up the fact that they might trade Hield and run like a, a three guard lineup, but he's not optimistic, and neither am I. No, no, yeah, neither neither am I. Yeah, but I think uh, I I think that's the only reason you do that, and then I think you bring him off the bench, right? So I think you have and I'm just looking at their depth chart right now on ESPN, so I think your, your starting one and two would be Fox and Halliburton mm-hmm. and then you run with uh, DeLon Wright and Davian Mitchell as your backups to those two positions mm, Okay and just go that way, I get you on that Yeah, I don't think I don't think Wright's going to be starting uh, I I don't think he'll be starting, uh, but yeah, it was definitely, it was one of those picks where I kind of raised an eyebrow and I'm like, you've still got, I mean, at the very least, you still had James Booknight. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be doing a lot. Uh, I think he's going to be doing a lot of stuff that Mitchell is going to be doing, but probably doing it better, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, uh, I, I have to agree with you on that for sure. Um, Amari came, asked the question, what do we think of the Houston Rockets tonight? Um, you know, the Rockets drafted, uh, they had themselves a heck of a draft. Uh, well, they're having themselves a heck of a draft. They drafted Jalen Green. Um, they were able to get, um, what, uh, Uz- Uzman Garuba. Um, didn't they get out, Al- out, Al- Alpern, um, oh my goodness, butchering his name, Alpern Sengun? Yeah. The, the Thunder dropped him 16th and he was traded to the Rockets. They got him as well. Um, they've just been grabbing these decent guys uh, across a variety of 
Oh, Josh Christopher, thank you. Like, they've just been able to grab a bunch of very good guys that's going to fit really well with them in terms of development and having this potential that each of them already flash. And now they're coming on the perfect breeding ground with Coach Steven Silas. I'm encouraged to see how he's able to, you know, this isn't exactly the team he thought he was going to inherit when he came to Houston last season. But this is a team that he can kind of build from the ground up you know, instill his own uh, offensive philosophies. We've seen um, his ingenuity in that regard. And you have a lot of intriguing players with which to do that now. So I am very excited by what um, Houston is going to look like next season with all of these guys, because it's definitely interesting. I mean, these are, I was already excited for the Jalen Green in general, but between Green, Christopher, Sangoon, and Garuba, you have, as Sam Vecini said on Twitter, uh, representatives of Hooper Twitter, Analytics Twitter, and International Hoops Twitter. So, like, you're going to have um, a lot of different prospects that you should be excited for. Uh, and Rockets fans all over are really happy for the draft that they've had. And I got I to gotta go with that. The front office really swung this out the park. What do you think, Ethan? Yeah, I'm, I was just kind of running the numbers because I was interested to see this. Uh, in in the first round, the Houston Rockets lay claim to 13% of the picks made. They had four wow. picks in the first round, uh, and that's including the 16th overall that was traded to them, right? Yeah. But this this is a team, and don't take this the wrong way, this is a team that screams rebuild, but it screams rebuild in the best possible way, right? It's True that. Screams, it screams rebuild in the sense of this front office and this coach know how to rebuild a team, and that's through the draft, right? You you build through the draft. You develop the players you can. I think Jalen Green is going to be really good. I'm really interested to see what these G League guys do because mm-hmm. this is really the first draft where we've seen this huge influx of these Ignite guys come in instead of NCAA guys. And I think if – these guys like uh, if these guys like Green and these guys who came in through the Ignite really start doing well, that could spell disaster for the NCAA, right? But as far as the picks, I think every pick they made made a lot of sense. Uh, and it's also worth noting too that the two picks that Houston got at the end here, the 23rd and 24th overall, were for, out of trades, right? They were from Portland and from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do think that this front office has a clear vision of where they want to go. And I think it's not going to be long before we see Houston kind of working their ways up the ranks of the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have a lot of potential at a variety of positions. We're not even talking about guys that were already on their roster, you know, uh, like uh, – um, Kevin Porter Jr., like a Christian Wood, like a Jay Sean Tate, like a um, Kenyon Martin Jr. They have a lot of guys. You add these young guys to it, they're going to be an interesting team. Um, yeah, they, 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 they're going to be a, a, a team that I'm definitely going to put my league pass uh, teams to watch next season just because they're going to be so dang fun. Another team to set to watch here because I, after this first round, I'm just salivating over these guys. Let's get it. Throw the Charlotte Hornets on there. You like what Charlotte's you got done. LaMelo Ball. Yeah, you've got LaMelo Ball. You've got James Booknight. You've got uh, – who's the guy they took later on? I forget. Um, I'll look it up. Yeah. 
So much to keep track of this draft, man. (laughs) (laughs) So much to keep track of in this draft. It's crazy. I know. So much chaos. But, yeah, they – I think they – oh, it was uh, Trey Murphy the third. Ooh, I like that Trey Murphy pick. Yeah. Yep, so it was Trey Murphy the third, but I'm thinking about the the backcourt duo of Book Knight and Ballman, and I am salivating. I think those guys are going to be. You've got somebody in Lamelo Ball who loves to to move the basketball, somebody who loves to get his teammate open for the shot, and you got somebody like Book Knight who can hit it right. That dude can hit his shots. I think it's the reason that he was projected to go above Moody in most mock drafts is because his his offensive skill set is better, and so I'm I'm really excited about what the Hornets are going to be doing. Yeah, that that's definitely going to be something exciting to see. Amari um, said, just in the draft in general, he thinks that a few more players can be gems, such as Cooper, uh, Sharif Cooper, uh, Kyrie Walker, and BJ Boston. So, yeah, those are some guys I'm definitely interested in seeing where they get selected as well. I'm kind of shocked that Sharif has dropped as far as he did. I knew the size and the shooting were issues, but he was one of the best, or is, well, is still one of the best playmakers in the draft. So that was a shock to me. Um, real quick, before I throw it to any more shots you had, Ethan, I want to talk about Orlando. Um, you know, drafting Jalen Suggs uh, and another team that's starting a rebuild. What do you think about them so far? Uh, having what ends up being a little bit of a loaded backcourt, now mind you, it's not like any of these guys are super great that you go, how do they fit around, you know, Jalen? Like Jalen comes in, he's going to have the room to make his own way. Um, because the, the Magic are just not that good a team. But if you look at just how, like, packed they are as a team, they do have a lot going on right now. So you have Markel Fultz when he returns from his, um, ACL injury. You have Jalen Suggs. You have Jonathan Isaac, Chumo Kiki, Wendell Carter Jr., who could be extended. You have Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Franz Wagner, and Mo Bamba, all under the age of 23. I mean, all 23 or under. Uh, what do you think about this? It's a lot going on in Orlando. They're my team to watch this year, but I don't even know what to make of them. <laughs> I don't want to say they're my team to watch this year because I said they're my team to watch last year. Oh, yeah, that was a bold <laughs> choice last year, though, my friend. <laughs> I just I saw – man, they went undefeated in the preseason, and I overreacted. I always do this. Like, uh, you were big. And they, and, they, and they started off well in the season, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they started off really well. I remember I was running a uh, power rankings there for a little bit, and they were in, like, the top five for a while because they were, like, nearly undefeated, I believe. Yeah, they won six of their first eight games, and then when um, uh, Marco got injured on the eighth game, they, that was the beginning of the free fall. But, yeah, no, ex- you're exactly right. And I'm just kind of looking at these these names here, and you're looking at Cole Anthony. You're looking at Jalen Suggs. Markel Fultz when he comes back. Franz Wagner, you're looking at. Don't uh, don't overlook Mo Wagner either, too, right? They've got Mo Wagner on their team as well, and don't overlook him. He's playing for Germany right now in the Olympics. So, uh, but Mo Bamba, right? Like all these guys. Mm-hmm. Well, they do have too many guys. Yeah, Mar- Mar- I agree. Guys. It's loaded backcourts are the poison most teams pick in the NBA. They just are because the NBA has gone smaller. They've gotten smaller. These guards are playing tougher. And so if you look at any given NBA season, a lot of the injuries you see are to these one and two guards. And so I think that's part of the reason that teams go with a heavy guard lineup, even though they can't 
you, even though there, there's not a good path to really like play them all, right? But mm-hmm. I think if you look at a lot of teams, you could say that a lot of teams have too many point guards. Well, and too many one and two guards, rather, uh, as it is. But I'm looking at all these guys, and I'm really excited. So Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. <clears throat> uh, oh, and I feel really bad because I, I love the new guy they picked up for their head coach, and I've, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Jamal Mosley? Yes, yes, Mosley. And he was, uh, before that, he was the uh, Mavs assistant coach. And I, yes. I think he's going to be really good in that position. Obviously, we see what the Mavs have done with Luka Doncic and what yep. they've been able to do with kind of their young talent. And so I think he's going to be really good in that position. And so, yeah, definitely if you're looking for a team to kind of hit yourself to before you're going to be called a bandwagoner, Orlando would be one of those teams. True, true. I agree. I agree. All right, so I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out just one um like shock I had in the draft, and that was the Spurs selecting Joshua Primo twelfth overall uh, when Moses Moody was still available. Uh, uh, Joshua averaged eight points and three rebounds. He shot forty three percent from the field. He finished third um on the team, which was uh, Alabama in three point shooting at thirty eight percent. He was second in free throw percentage. He had eight games with three or more threes. Um. He's a long athletic wing, you know, has a nice shot, smart defender, uh, was the youngest person in the draft to be, I mean, just in general. But at the same time, I just wonder why if the Spurs wanted him, and I mean, he wasn't mocked to be anywhere near the top 10 to 15 at all. Like, why they didn't just trade down? Especially when, you know, if you wanted shooting Moses Moody, uh, Trey Murphy, uh, Sangoon was a pick I could see the Spurs having done, um, Corey Kispert even, uh, you know, all those guys ended up being in the next range. Was this an inspired move? Was it uh, a kind of short-sighted move? What do you think about, uh, Josh Primo drafted 12th by the Spurs, Ethan? Uh, I came up with a lot of, I came up with a lot of lines out of, out of this pick, right? I threw a couple out on Twitter, but, the one I'm thinking about right now is that I almost don't want to talk about it right now because it's 11 o'clock. I'm going to go to bed after this, and you're never mm-hmm. supposed to go to bed. You're never supposed to go to bed angry. <laughs> I feel that. Here, I feel that. <laughs> and yet here I am. I I sent out a tweet maybe about 30 seconds before the Spurs put their pick in that I was mm-hmm. like, Moody to the Spurs is a lock. This guy is great. He's exactly the guy that Pop uh, kind of looks for. Mm-hmm. And then they go with Joshua Primo, and I was just like, I I couldn't believe it. I I don't think it's an inspired pick at all. And again, I hate to to be the guy who goes around just like begging on all these NBA players who are, you know, these new NBA players, right? These college players who are realizing their dream. I hate to be the guy to like throw a wet towel on it, but I didn't understand the pick at all. And yeah, yeah I, I, I mean neither. I thought like maybe there's a trade coming in, or maybe there's there's something going on, right? But I I just didn't get it. <laughs> it's definitely yeah, unique. No, I'm with you. It's definitely um, it's a take for sure. Uh, um, not sure why, 
<laughs> um, you know, especially like you said, you could have went back and uh-huh. Here's the only bright thing I, I saw about Primo this whole draft night, and I wanted to run this by you. I got a list of questions that I want to run by you. Yeah. Uh, and the first one is, you know, they ran they ran those like interesting facts at the bottom there. And for Primo, it was the first thing that he was going to buy with his big NBA paycheck, and it was a chef. And I got to ask, hiring a chef, baller or no? Because I'm, you know I'm a side of baller. Hiring a private uh-huh. chef? I'm I'm a side I'm a side with you on baller too. I have to agree. That's a baller yeah. move. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, okay, you've redeemed yourself a little bit in my eyes because that that's kind of baller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, no, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. But other than that, I just didn't understand it. I just didn't no, understand. I get you. I I told I'm with you entirely. Um, uh, Mario asked Boston's pick is coming. Do you think they should draft Cooper? I, I, yeah, I mean, who's their backup guard? Like, I mean, they were starting the corpse of Jeff Teague. Um, oh, mind you, Jeff. I'm sorry. Let me put respect on the name. NBA champion Jeff Teague. Um, I think that you could do a lot worse than to have someone in in, in Cooper who has upside, um, and is explosive. You know, I I don't know why you wouldn't do that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I. I I don't know. I, do I think they're going to do it? No. But I don't think they're going to do it because Greg Brown just got drafted ahead of Sharif. So, like, there's something that I don't I don't know what is wrong. I think maybe he's falling just because of defensive um, inadequacies and also his inefficiency for someone who, like, needs the ball. But at this rate, I mean, with how far he's falling, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see it. I'm. You better hope somebody takes a swing. I think that he's good enough to be drafted in the second round. By this point, I'm. I'm shocked. You know, I'm shocked he's fallen this far. Um. Oh yeah, Mari, come on. Let's get you in here. Oh yeah, definitely get in here. Can you hear? Oh, <laughs> he left. He didn't want to talk. <laughs> oh, okay. Accidents happen. Understood, sir. No. Um. <laughs> I will say you called him NBA champion Jeff Teague. I call him little brother who was asleep for the car ride, Jeff Teague. Oh, uh, wow. Listen, he could have been Marcus Teague. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a thing, too. I was I was just a little little salty that there are some people on, online who are being like, former Timberwolves, Jeff Teague is just watching. Oh, like, yeah. He did. He did I remember when I was so excited for him to go to the Timberwolves, too. I'm like, they need more shooting, and then... Yeah, but okay. Let me before we <laughs> exactly, exactly. I forgot. I want to get you angry before you go to sleep. My bad, man. Before we let you go, man, you had some questions for me. Let, let let's get them started. Yeah, I want to run. Th- I want to run through these, man. Uh, all right. So we already ran through biggest surprise, which was one. Okay, favorite. Uh huh. What was your favorite? Uh, it favorite? has to be. It has to be Jalen Green. He came in with the style, and he he just went whack with it. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. Uh, I like the I, boldness there. I am a I am a traditional man myself. Uh and so Kate Cunningham was up there. Classic. Simple but effective. James Booknight was up there for me. The only mm-hmm. reason Book Knight the only reason Book or the only reason Cunningham didn't get the award for me is that his pants were a little too short for him. So he was showing some, they were like those three quarter pants that some guys wear. Oh yeah. I didn't like that. So, so book night had it for me, right? That classic, that all black look, that was slick, man. Okay. Uh, but weirdest non pick for you, the weirdest, like, and we kind of touched on this already. Right. But 
yeah, the weirdest guy who like a team just passed over. I was wondering if what what your thoughts were there. So uh, like the weirdest that you said teams have passed over. Yeah, just like the weirdest the weirdest time that a team passed over. Like we already talked about the Spurs with Josh Primo, right? Picking Josh Primo over Moses Moody, but is was there another one that you were thinking like just why did they do that? Why did they pass over that guy? Um, the Raptors passing on Jalen Suggs is one I'm confused by for sure. I definitely um liked that one. Um seeing Sharif kind of slip and slip and slip is starting to have me curious on a bunch of teams that I feel drafted guys that are not better, at least on paper, than Sharif Cooper. So that's one that I'm curious about too. Um I'm trying to think of another one that really got me. Uh I, I, I guess it's not the who passed, but I'm still surprised Josh Giddy got picked so early. I know in some mocks yeah. he was drafted early, but I really thought he was going to be a little bit later. Uh, to see him go six overall when some other guys I would have uh, liked as better fits for those teams didn't, that was shocking to me. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, that was really about it. I, I think that it's it's a few, and this is, again, come from someone who had I had like some really great guests on because I wasn't as versed on the draft this year as you know years past. But even so, I... I I think it was some who were taken way earlier than expected. And now we're getting to the back where people are dropping more and more than we thought they would, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was uh, kind of a, a almost dark horse pick here, but Sacramento passing on Corey Crisper. Definitely interesting, right? Yeah. Going with Mitchell. It was kind of interesting. I didn't think they were going to take another guard, but that was kind of the weirdest one for me. There, hey, there it is. That is, uh-huh. And then the classic one, right? The classic one that everybody asks, winner and loser. There we go. I was about to be my last question for you, so it's only fitting that you actually bring that up for me. So winner for me, um, the Rockets. The Rockets, man. Uh, The picks they made are solid. They're intriguing. They're just the right type of picks a team that is starting a rebuild should make. You know, you have that one proven guy that you're really looking forward to growing and developing. You have a couple of creative swings that you can take that if they miss, no harm, no foul, but if they pay off, what a payoff. Um, You have a nice coach who's going to try to put this all together. I think the Rockies came with the goal and they got value at every pick they had. Um, Outside of that, I think the Warriors did okay. It's going to be interesting to see how it turns out with Kaminga and Moody. But I'm intrigued by that. Oh, let me see. Ramon wants to speak here. I hope I said that right. Um, wait, did he? I guess he did. Maybe I was wrong. Um, but I like him. And I think, you know what? It's weird. I was going to, mm, the Pistons obviously won. I mean, they won from the draft lottery, right? Um, I'm a big fan of the Rockets. I want to say the Magic, but honestly, I'm just not in love with uh, their eighth pick. I did not like Franz Wagner there, I, especially when, Moody and others were there. I feel if they had Suggs and Moody, they would have won hands down for me. Um, at best, it's 50-50 because they took Suggs, but I mean, that was the obvious decision, in my opinion. What about you? Yeah. Uh, well, I think for winners, for me, uh, I, I think you're right. It's a toss-up between Pistons and uh, the Rockets, and I think it's kind of like, it's not even a case of like, who's one and who's two, it's who's one A and who's one B, right? Because on the one side, you have the Rockets who secured themselves for the future with these really, this wealth of draft picks that they brought in. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Pistons, who maybe only had the one draft pick, but it was the number one draft pick. But you can never overlook, right? True that, true that, true. 
And I see what you're saying, for sure. If I had to go one winner looking just forward to next year, I'd have to go the Pistons because I think Cunningham would be a great addition to that team. Mm-hmm. And then the loser here, a team that we haven't talked about tonight, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I've got a, Ooh, I've got a okay. I've, I've got a message to Sam Presti that I, I sometimes shout on Twitter, and I want to shout it out to him right now. Picks don't play. Picks don't play. Play. You have to. They don't. Building up picks is a great strategy for a rebuilding team, but you have to use those picks eventually. That's true. That's true. I'm with you. And when the value is, yeah. When that value turns into play, yeah. Yeah. And and you look at the the Thunder who passed up on. Sanguin, uh, Sanguin, I believe it's pronounced. Yeah, uh, Alperin Sanguin, uh huh. Right? For Trey Mann, and it's like, uh, is that the right move? I guess we'll see. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, I know they got a couple of, I, I think they got two future picks out of it, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, you had the chance to make these picks if you didn't take it. That's true. That's true, man. I'm going to bring in uh, Raymond or Roman. I hope I got that right one way or the other. Uh, yes, about the Atlanta Magic and want to speak. Can you hear me, man? Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. How, hey, welcome on. Uh, thanks for coming in. Yeah. What were you, what were you, uh, you were asking about the Magic or you wanted, what do you want to share? Yeah. Uh, I always think it's interesting. To me, I think, like, to me, I think personally, I think Orlando had one of the best drafts. Like, they had Suggs just fall in their laps at five. Right, and then they True. took uh, Franz uh, Wagner at like uh, with their second pick with that uh, Chicago pick that they ended up receiving in the Vucevic trade, right? True. And, uh, I think for huh? Oh, of oh, uh, Roman, we can't hear you. Oh, sorry, sorry, uh, I was yeah, covering yeah. my mic. I apologize. Oh, um, no problem. Uh-huh. So, um, I think like the only, like I know they're gonna have a log jam at guard right now. Yeah, they have because uh, they have that kid that I forget what's his name. Uh, Hampton. Yeah, Cole. Oh, yeah, Anthony. Cole Anthony Hampton, Markel Fultz. Yeah, they have a few. They have a few, right? But like when you have a player like Suggs drop to you, you take him. He's easily your best player on your on your roster you, as soon as he steps into the building, right? Like other than like they they've got a ton of forwards and and centers there on that roster. But I I feel like that was a steal, and then getting Wagner at like eight or wherever they ended up picking, kind of in the, yeah. in the end of the top ten. That was mm-hmm. a great that was a great pick too, and just kind of highlighting what you guys said. Golden State had an awesome draft too. Yeah, I know it's funny. I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you liked the um, um, Franz Wagner pick. I wasn't as high on that when Moses Moody was on the board because I feel like Moses Moody, at least to me, had the potential to possibly show more than just a three and D guy. Where Franz is like a jack of all trades kind of master and none type player. But on the match right now, you're trying to find the player to stand out. You know, you. I mean, on the one hand, like you said, I agree with you. This this team is loaded. I brought up earlier with Ethan that. You know, between Marka Foles, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Isaac, Jumo Kiki, Wendell Carter Jr., uh, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Wagner, and Mo Bamba, all those guys are 23 or under. So you have potentially a really cool versatile core. At the same time, Marka Fultz and Jonathan Isaac are coming back from injury. You know, Chumo Kiki right. is still getting more of a chance to find out where he fits in. Franz Wagner, same thing. Cole Anthony, is he going to be like a starting point guard? Obviously with Jalen Suggs, is he going to be like an off-the-bench combo guard? Obama's disappointed. Like, when you look at the players initially, like, this is cool. They're all 23 and under. You know, they can all kind of grow. It's great. But then you're like, wait a second. This is actually the chance to, like, 
try to see how these guys develop. And I don't know if with Franz, I feel like in Moses, Moses, you have someone that I think, I mean, I could be terribly wrong on Franz. I mean, I'm not the draft guy like that. So I'm 100% admitting that. But I feel like Moody, you might have a guy who with Suggs could like flourish into someone that stands out on this team where I feel like Wagner's going to more fit in, which is cool, except you're trying to see who's going to be that next guy for Orlando, you know? I totally agree with what you said. Like, I, like, from an, from a guy f- to fit in tomorrow, it would be Moody hands down because that three and D stuff. He's got a specific role, like you said. Mm-hmm. He's got strengths, and then even another guy I would have went with would have been uh, Book Knight as well. I think he would have been a good fit, like playing that off guard position. But like, I think with them take ending ending up with Suggs at. The thing with me is uh, getting Suggs at five allowed them to kind of take more of a like more of an upside pick at, with that eight pick mm-hmm. because they got that they got that stud now at five, which was supposed to be there at four, but Toronto ended up taking oh, what's the name Scotty Brook, uh, Scotty Scotty Barnes, right? And yeah. it's just like like he fell on their lap, and to me, like okay, you 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 got the franchise guy and you're going to go with an upside pick here but i totally agree a Mos- i think moses moody would have been a safer pick for sure at eight no i i agree i agree i i'm i'm with you in the optimism for um for Wagner, and like I said, if he's wrong, dude, we gotta we gotta connect back up here, uh, bro, and and talk about it. But I definitely would have liked to see them take a swing at someone like that. Who, I mean, the Warriors were were in hopes to get him, someone that could like not only fit in immediately, but also potentially grow and flourish. So that was interesting to me. But um, well, I have you on here, man. Uh, I was asking Ethan this as well. Do you have any like surprises you saw in this draft before we kind of wind down here? Uh the biggest one was Scotty Barnes to me at four. Because I honestly believed, I thought that was a smokescreen that Toronto was doing. And then mm-hmm. the other big one, I think the biggest surprise was the Spurs pick with that primo kid out of um, Yes, the 12th pick. Yeah, Ethan was just saying that. He was easy. To, he was the biggest surprise. And then the other crazy thing was how many times the Knicks ended up deciding to trade down in this draft. I thought that was really kind of crazy. And then mm-hmm. they ended up with uh, that Quinn whatever his name was, Quinn Jones or whatever his name was. But yeah, yeah. But like to me, it was definitely the primo pick. The primo pick was by far because to me, everything I was looking at was he was kind of a late-ish first-round guy. And to take him at 12, when I thought they were going to take Sengun there. I thought he was, Sengun was a lock at 12. I, I didn't think he was going to go past the Spurs. But um, they ended <laughs> up with him. So that was, a, that was a surprise. The other thing I heard that was really interesting, it was, I forget who was, uh, Chris Ryan was talking about this on the ringer in, in their group, and he thinks that the, uh, that the Warriors taking Kaminga doesn't necessarily mean that Kaminga is going to be part of the team come uh, training camp. He thinks, oh, wow. it, it, he thinks it still opens up the possibility that they could discuss trades with parent Kaminga and Wiseman part of trade packages because when they took Kaminga at seven, you, you, you can make a big argument that Kaminga was the prospect with the most upside at that point in the draft. Right. So, um, that's one thing that, that he hit that insight on that. I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, that is. Thank you for sharing, man. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Definitely appreciate that. And that was a good insight because that is a heck of a compelling package for any team, you know, looking to jumpstart a rebuild for a contender. I'm looking at Washington, possibly. Like, you know, it's two guys you can kind of start. Hey, you know, these guys have a wealth of potential that hasn't been tapped yet. And if you're rebuilding, then what's the perfect sandbox to put these guys in? Ethan, what do you think about that? 
As for, I'm sorry, I was looking at the latest kind of draft reaction. Oh, no, no, no. Um, I was saying that basically how – I hope I'm getting that right, man, by the way. But how um, how um, possibly the Warriors could be packaging uh, both James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga yeah. in a trade. I'm, I've always been high on James Wiseman. I think James Wiseman should have gone higher than he did in the draft. Uh, I, I obviously – I know why that he went where he did, but – Mm-hmm. As far as packaging those two, I think that is something that the Warriors will do if the if the deal is right, right? So you're looking at there's one there's one guy who I have predicted so far won't won't start next season with the team he's on right now, and there are a lot of rumors that he wants to go to Golden State, and that guy is Ben Simmons, right? And so yeah. you're looking at Simmons, and we saw that Philadelphia was saying that they would be willing to trade him to Golden State for a package. And I think if they sent Philadelphia a package of Kaminga, Wiseman, Wiggins, uh, and maybe some future draft picks in return for uh, Ben Simmons and then some other players to make the cap work, I I don't think... Golden State immediately shoots that trade down. I think the craziest thing right now is I I agree with everything you said there. I just feel like like uh, Daryl Morey's asking price for Ben Simmons is completely absurd at this point. Like I've heard him like I've heard like like stuff reading like what was stuff that he was asking for what was it? It was Wiseman, it was Wiggins, it was seven and fourteen, and then two future first round picks. So he wanted four first-round picks, and then Wiseman and that, and then Golden State shut that down. And then from Toronto, when Toronto got into it with them about uh, a day or two ago, it was a package of, I think it's Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Kyle Lowry, and it was the number four pick, and that got shut down. Wow. So so I'm just wondering when, when like, because at some point, like, Maury's going to have to like reduce the asking price here because nobody's giving up essentially superstar value for Ben Simmons because we've all kind of seen the holes in his game, right? If if you didn't have those holes, Philly wouldn't be trading him right now. Well, wouldn't exactly. be exactly. No, you said it, man, absolutely. And and especially like you said, it'd be one thing if we didn't totally, you know, observe his latest performance in the playoffs. Like if that never happened, then yeah, hundred percent. You know, I'm still like balking at that offer, but I understand it better because you know you look more at the at the attributes positive that he brings. You know, 25 under contract, four more years, yada yada yada. But right now, you're looking at a complete offensive liability. Not going to shoot the ball. You know, the warts there, and the fact that he is a long term contract, and you're treating him like he's a superstar who just led you the championship and not a flame on the conference finals. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like we're looking at a guy. He was he's a multi-time All Star. He's a great defender, but you know, like they're in such a position right now where they've tried this experiment to death. Now they can't bring him back next season. There's no way that fan base is going to accept him. Like come come opening day, like he's going to get booed in his own arena whenever he touches the ball, and they know mm-hmm. that too. Like they've tried this to death. Him and Embiid just can't work out. They have to move off of him, but like I get it, what Maury's doing. Like he's asking, he's he's asking for the world right now, and hopefully he comes down in price. But you would think honestly that like 
you would you would have ideally dealt them before the draft when you already have kind of draft picks already locked in where you know where you're going to get them if you traded if you traded them pre-draft right now if you trade them for future draft picks you can project kind of where roughly you're going to get those picks but it's not an exact thing right like we've seen teams where they make picks and end up end up being like lower picks in the draft right and like That's any true. team Ben Simmons goes on he's going to make it better right where like mm-hmm. he's not he's not a great player in the playoffs we've seen he's essentially unplayable in the last three four minutes of the game right for maybe five minutes of the game but in terms of the regular season he's got a ton of value like he'll bring any team trading for him that's a non-playoff team is going to be a better team after acquiring yeah no i get what you're saying personally i don't know what you mean when you say that he's uh simmons is going to get booed in his own arena because it's not like we've ever seen philadelphia sports fans be hostile whatsoever (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh i don't think those guys have a reputation for being mean or anything but no as far as simmons goes i mean i've written about simmons a lot recently and i i think the asking price isn't as absurd as some people think because you have to look at the situation if you are if you are you know Oh, let's, I'm just going to throw out a team here. Uh, if you are like Utah, who has gone deep in playoffs consistently, yeah, you're probably not going to be interested in Simmons. But if you're a team like, and I don't think Simmons is going to want to go here, but if you're a team like Sacramento or mm-hmm. New York, you throw, I mean, you, you're throwing everything at them, right? You are, you are giving them whatever you, whatever they want because Simmons, even though he struggles in the postseason, I think we forget that he he has excelled in the regular season, right? There's a reason that Philadelphia gets as far as they do, right? They don't get as far as they do without uh, without Simmons being there, and so mm-hmm. I as, as far as the package that Maury is kind of throwing around right now, while I do think it's maybe a little high, I don't think it's absurd. And there was one dark horse trade that I, I want to kind of throw out there for the people just to uh, be aware of. And whether and it give it to us. I don't know whether it happens next year or not. I don't know. But be on the lookout for if Dame Lillard wants out of Portland, be on the lookout for a Dame Lillard Ben Simmons spot. I, 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 yeah. I think that's you like absolutely that? something that Portland would do. No, I agree. That'd be that would be something. That'd be just the pairing that I think Joel and B would like. Just imagine the killer combo between those two. That'd be insane. And yeah, it'd be a good package. I I, I wonder if Darren Moore would be like willing to part with like Tyrese Maxey or something too, because you know that Maury still under that um Portland's gonna be doing the 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 Daryl Morey impression of okay we'll give him to you if he absolutely demands a trade but like you're giving us the equivalent of the farm you know yeah well let me yeah. throw out, let me throw out here quick the the what I suggested because you know I was writing about the Timberwolves recently and how they could get into yeah. and I think the Timberwolves could be the team that helps Portland even the odds so the the trade that I threw out was a three team trade the Blazers get Simmons from Philadelphia, and then they get Kogi and Lehman from Minnesota, and they get Philadelphia's uh, next, the next first round pick that Philadelphia can trade. Uh, and this one, it okay. was their, this it was their twenty eighth overall, but obviously that didn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. 
Sixers get Dame Lillard and Jarrett Culver. And uh, the Timberwolves get Seth Curry, Tolliver, Anthony Tolliver, and then a couple of draft picks from the Sixers. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. You basically somehow managed to get each team a decent little haul. Yeah. Yeah. And so Minnesota is there to kind of like, oh, you want some extra players to kind of shore up the holes? Okay, we'll give you Josh Kogi. We'll give you Jared Culver, right? You know, we'll take Seth Curry in return. We'll take your pick. Hey, Ethan, I wanted to ask you because, uh, like, I just clicked on your bio. So you're, um, you write about the Timberwolves and stuff like that. It seems like you're focused on that. So I just wanted to get an insight on something here. So was this deal for Rubio where they dealt Rubio out today, was that to kind of, like, open up and, like, make De'Ang- like Russell, D'Angelo Russell the main guard now back in uh, Minnesota? Like, is he going to be the main point guard now again? That can definitely be one one uh, line they were taking. I don't think that's what they were thinking when they were making the pick. Uh, personally, I think a big reason that they made the pick is because any stretch four in the league to this front office looks like a blonde. With, <laughs> looks like a hot blonde to most guys, right? Right. You know, they they just really love stretch fours. Is one of the things that I think drew them to Frontier. Rubio had Rubio did struggle last season. He didn't play uh, the at the level that we thought he was going to play. Uh, I don't think there was any question that Russell was going to be the franchise guard going forward. I think Russell was going to be. I think Russell was the presumptive starter. I think Rubio was going to be his backup. The biggest thing we lose when we lose Rubio is I think we lose uh, the Anthony Edwards vet, which Corbin and I talked about a little earlier, that we lose kind of that Mm -hmm. guy who's there to mentor, mentor Edwards, and we don't have that right now. Right, right. Yeah. That makes sense. So the other thing I was going to ask you was is kind of with Russell, because Russell – uh, I know he was kind of beat up last year, and then he came back from his uh, from that, and he and he played well. But he he kind of, I, I, and I totally get it. Like he came off the bench when he came back, and he played well in those in uh, in the minutes he did. And then he, uh, I think he ended up starting eventually at the at the end of the year and regaining his role. But I was gonna ask was um, what was kind of before the lottery in like uh, Minnesota there. What was kind of the thinking with like Russell's future? Had you guys kept that pick instead of it going to uh, Golden State? Because it would have ended up being what a top four, top five pick. Have you guys kept that pick? If we'd have kept that pick, it would have been seven. It, that seven. it would have been where, where we were, right? So no, so no, that... no. I meant like if you guys uh, ended up. Uh, getting a higher pick in the lottery, if you guys, because it's protected, right? That oh. pick was what, top three protected? Excuse me, yes, I am sorry. Yes, it would have been a top four pick. Yeah. So, uh, like, yeah, if you, uh, like, that, that was just kind of, sorry, my, sorry about that. Yeah, that, that was just kind of my thought process was pre-draft, because this is going back a few months, obviously, right? So much yeah. stuff has kind of transpired since then. But, um, yeah, so, was that, because I remember there was some talk Obviously, I'm not. T- I, I'm not in tuned in that area, right? That's why I'm asking you uh, this stuff. So, what was kind of the belief with Russell's future on the team? Because Russell, I know you guys gave up quite a bit to acquire him from Golden State, right? And then mm-hmm. there was 
And you hear, I know rumor mill is like, could mean anything. Like rumor mill, there's not much to it, right? Like there's not, there's, there's not much like real actual substance to any of this. But his name, as you probably know, was in the rumor mill quite a bit. And I know I'm like, I'm more, I pay, like I'm more in tune with what the, what the Lakers are doing and stuff like that. And his name was constantly in our rumor mill as in terms of, potentially reacquiring him potentially like where minnesota's future might be with him where it might like like what might happen if you guys land a top four pick so i was sorry I, that, that's what I was, I was just trying to gauge that pre but obviously obviously post draft and everything and post draft lottery things change right like that's it's an ever-changing league right so that's what i just wanted to kind of understand i kind of uh, take, take every single trade rumor you hear that involves Russell's name in it with a pinch of salt is what I would say right. because Russell in my eyes is our town's insurance policy as long as we have Russell we have towns and right right really want towns right and so I think right. as long as those two aren't the team together neither one of them is going to get moved as far as who we would have targeted in that top four uh, Evan Mobley is a guy who I personally would have really liked to see with the team. Right. Uh, but I also know Gerson Rosas kind of approaches this, approaches drafts in the take the best player possible, not the best team fit guy. And so mm. if we were at four, we probably would have taken Jalen Sucks. If we were at three, we probably would have taken Evan Mobley. Right. Right. Uh, and so that would have been. I think what we would have done in this draft if we had a pick. Right. And what was kind of the, the other thing I wanted to ask was um, you, cause you guys did a very unusual thing. Not only did you guys, you guys uh, got rid of um, Ryan Saunders in the middle of the season. Not only did you guys get rid of Ryan Saunders like early in the season, but you guys also hired an assistant coach from the Raptors and you guys gave him a, a pretty decent length contract, right? That doesn't happen in the middle of this. Uh, that never happens in the middle of this. Yeah. So I, mm. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you what, what's kind of the, uh, what's kind of the belief in him, like in, in, in him as a coach, is it pretty, op- is it pretty optimistic right now? Uh, most of the fans are pretty optimistic about Finch fit. The nice thing about Finch is that he fits the system that the Timberwolves want to run, right? The Timberwolves are really keen on running this analytic-heavy, small-ball, shoot-from-three-style, uh, you know, at least offensive style. And mm-hmm. Finch worked on – not only did he work with the Toronto Raptors, but he also worked with uh, Gerson Rosas on the Houston Rockets, right, who kind of epitomized that style. And so – Right. I know personally, I was a little down on it. I wasn't. I wasn't totally sure, but I. You can't argue with production. Chris Finch had a great ending to this season, and so I am a lot higher on Finch's ability and what Finch can do with this roster than I was when he first came on. But you are definitely right that the everything about the hiring of Finch was really kind of outside the realms of what we wanted to see. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, listen, y'all. I want to say we've we've gone deep on this. I appreciate yeah. you. Um, is it Ramon? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And, hey. Well, I thank you for coming on because not only did you add some great insight to the draft, but you also made this uh, Minnesota um, kind of like off season outlook of sorts, which I really appreciate because 
I didn't get enough out of Ethan in terms of the Timberwolves insight. I, I appreciate you asking those questions. Um, it's going to make for a heck of a podcast. That's where, that's what I'm, there's another episode of, uh, what's called Round Ball Ramble that I do. So really excited about that. Um, real quick, uh, I'm a, before I let Ethan go as well, um, Ramon, are you, are you doing anything on Twitter? Is there any way people can find you? Um, anything? You yeah, anything? yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, my, I'll, I'll just, should I just link it right now to my, uh, I don't even know if I, if I can do that. Yeah, yeah just I'm share on, it out here. Uh huh. Yeah. Should I just text it in the chat? Um, you can put in the chat. Um, say it too. That way, people who are listening, since it's gonna be a podcast, will be able to hear. It. Oh yeah, no worries. So it's uh my first name, uh, Robin. So R A M A N, and it's my middle name, which is just initial of an S, and then it's my last name, uh, Kular. So K U L A R. So that's that's where you can kind of find me. I'm on Twitter there. Okay, Robin S Kular. Check him out on Twitter. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Seriously, appreciate, it, man. All right, Ethan, bro, share a plug where we can find. Oh man, you can you can find me at Real Ethan Becker on Twitter. You can uh, find all of my my fun, exciting projects I write for Hoops Habit. You can find my podcast Timberwolves Weekly at Timberwolves Weekly on Twitter. That'll come out. That comes out every Monday. Uh, and yeah, that's that's really where you can find me. And don't forget, I plug it at the top of the show. I'll plug it at the bottom here. NBA Forgotten Histories, October sixteenth. First episode is on the game Larry Bird played entirely left-handed. All right, Charles. Should be a fun one. Definitely make sure to check that out. Uh, again, on, on Roman S. Cooler at Twitter as well. The real Ethan Beck on Twitter. Great folks to look at. Um, for myself, you can find me on Twitter at Corbin MBA. There's been a hoop ball presentation. So on Twitter at hoop ball tweets, uh, online hoop dash ball.com. We just had a great live show actually on a couple hours ago on that just wrapped up. Uh, great draft content literally through and through. Fantasy basketball, of course, free agency right around the corner. Uh, but thank y'all for, for people who caught it on the, on the live and people's going to catch on the rewind. Definitely appreciate y'all. Uh, and with that, y'all, we frosty. Y'all stay frosty. Talk to y'all real soon. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.